Hey, everybody. This is Nina from the Mike's Opinion Podcast. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Mike's off this week. Enjoy this best of episode. It's one of the more popular episodes from a while back. As always, remember to like, share, subscribe, and follow on every platform you can. Thank you so much for your support. Without further ado, a best of episode of the Mike's Opinion Podcast. Logic Unleashed. You are now listening to Mike's Opinion, Logic Unleashed. That's right, you are now listening to the Mike's Opinion Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. How you doing today? You know, I always want to know, how are you doing today? I hope you're doing well out there. Today is a, a serious subject today. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in this world. It's uh, the first, uh, the beginning of June, 2021, and Memorial Day is over. I hope you had a good Memorial Day holiday and uh, you celebrated accordingly um, for all of those that have given their lives for this country, the great United States of America for which we live that's going through a, a, a growing up phase, a reckoning phase, but that's not what today's episode is about. Today's episode is about anxiety. And you really, nowadays, you can't really talk about anxiety without talking about depression. And what brought this about today was an incident that you may or may not have heard about and it involved a very young um, uh, tennis player by the name of Naomi Osaka. If you don't know who she is, um, she is, I'll tell you this, she's the highest paid female athlete. Okay? Yeah. Highest paid. So, she's a tennis player and um, she bought Nick Jonas's house for $7 million. So that might want to tell you just uh, how, you know, successful she has been. Uh, yeah, she's, she's, she's getting that money. She's, um, she's a very good tennis player and I dare, dare say a, a very attractive young lady. I believe she's about 23 years old right now, but she was in the news lately. Um, very recently because she decided not to talk to the press. You know, she says she didn't want to talk to the press during, um, I believe it was, let me see. Um, I want to say it was the French Open. Yeah, the French Open. I had to confirm that real quick. So during the French Open, she said, look, I'm not doing no press. I'm not talking to anybody. And at first she didn't give a reason. You know, she sent out a statement. It was, it was a, didn't go into depth into the reason. She was subsequently publicly shamed 
by the people that run these tennis organizations and also subsequently fined $15,000. And she put out a more in-depth statement. And I'm paraphrasing here, just basically saying that she has been depressed ever since she won a, a, a tournament back in 2018 and that she's, you know, shy and very, she gets very anxious talking to the press and she's been suffering from depression. Now, when I heard that, when I, when I read that, it made me think of a variety of things. Um, you know, I, the first thing I thought, was okay. You're young. You're athletic. In fact, you are a professional athlete. You're widely successful, highly competitive, successful in those competitions, and financially rich. Speaking publicly, which truly isn't for everybody, right? Speaking, speaking publicly is not for everybody. So I, I get it. But when you sign up for these type of things, you are contractually obligated in some sense to speak to the press because with these public sports and professional sports endeavors, People want to know you. They want to see you. They want to do more than just see you with your exceptional athletic talents. They want to hear you. They want to, they want to bond with you. They want to buy your merch. You know, they want to, they want to feel like they have access, some level of access to you. So, we all see things through our own lens, right? That are related to our own personal experiences. At 23, you could have stuck a dozen mics in my face and I'm just going to make you laugh. Kind of like Muhammad Ali was, right? Now that's me personally. I'm not a shy person. Um, I never really have been. I've always been outgoing, never met a stranger. I enjoy, um, Human beings, other human beings, interactions with human beings. So had I ever been a public figure as a result of this podcast, if I become a public figure or some other means become a public figure, I will embrace that. Now, I really, and I've said this before in many other episodes, I really am not looking for fame. I could do without the fame because while everything has its advantages and disadvantages and fame is no different for me, depending on your level of fame, it's almost like a prison because you can't go anywhere without being photographed, filmed, recorded, mobbed, questioned, you know, uh, it, it's, 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 you, 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 you are no longer afforded any level of privacy. And I don't think any of us really are now. There's cameras on every door, on every corner, in every public place. So, you know, um, in, in, in terms of 
that type of privacy, you don't have it. So that is magnified exponentially when you become quote unquote famous. So for a young 23 year old young lady who is a excellent tennis player and as a result has become rich and famous, that doesn't pair well if you are not comfortable speaking publicly, if you are not comfortable with the public having a deeper access to you, you know, all of that being said, you can do a five minute presser, I would think, answer a few questions either before or after a tournament. So I'm a little concerned for Naomi Osaka only because if it's that heavy for her, somebody may need to keep an eye on her. Because um, famous people commit suicide too. Rich people commit suicide. Seemingly successful people commit suicide or harm themselves. And sometimes others. So um, I would like to just personally at this point in the podcast, in this episode, say, Naomi, I hope you get well. I hope you get better. I hope you find a way not to suffer and find a way to blossom within yourself and have that confidence in yourself to speak to anyone, anywhere, but control it as much as you like to, you know, but just to shut it down, you know, it begs the question, right? Does this athlete or any other professional athlete have the obligation to speak publicly. I would have to say in my evaluation of the situation, the answer is yes. It comes with the territory. Even if it's in limited fashion. But I have never been in that level of of fame. You know, where people want to stick microphones in your face. But this was part of the tournament, right? And I imagine they signed some autographs before, talked to the press before, after the tournament, you know, win or lose, win, draw, lose, win, lose or draw. Uh, they, you know, they talk. Do they have draws in tennis? Uh, I don't think so. But, um, you know, so um, I'm not sure exactly if they have draw. But, you know, to do five minutes, you know, how did you feel after the tournament? Oh, I felt okay. You know, you, you know, you can limit your answers. Uh, you can say next question and then you can get up and walk away. So in effect, her people, her camp, if she just spazzes out, right? And starts stuttering and has a problem of that nature, then okay. But couldn't she be coached? Couldn't you rehearse? You know, the, the questions are probably easy to anticipate. And boom, 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 answer a few questions. Next question, if you don't want to answer that one, you know, time it. Set a timer on your 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 watch or your phone and or have one of your people, you know, one five minutes, four minutes, put a signal up one minute and then put zero 
and then say thank you and get up and walk away. Don't hear anything and just walk away. Don't let any, any of those questions suck you in. So um, I was thinking about that in terms of anxiety and where this type of anxiety derives from. And I said this type. And what I mean by that is today's anxiety. You know, because could you imagine being a slave? I'm black. So, you know, can you imagine being a slave with anxiety? Huh? If you didn't pick that cotton, you know, are you going to get whooped? I mean, so I don't think anxiety was as prevalent as it is today. As a matter of fact, mental health is a huge hot topic these days, right? And everybody is so conscious of it. I think we've been, we, I'm not trying to be unsympathetic to anyone, but just generally speaking, as we continue to deepen our attachment to luxury and to comfort, we are becoming weaker as a society, as humans. But one of the other things I thought, besides that first thought about Miss um, Osaka was, are these electronic devices a major contributor to these anxieties and depressions? Because our connection, our ability to meet a stranger and form a bond and become a friend, everybody's glued to these screens. And texting, even though it is the communication um, uh, way of choice for a certain demographic, and I'll say, hell, 40 and down, because I know 40 year olds that would rather text you than call. And the, 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 the younger you get, they'd rather text you. They don't want to video call you. They don't want to talk to you on the phone. Text is their primary form of communication. And I don't care how effective, how instantaneous it is. There is something lacking in written forms of communication for most people. Now, there are some that can express themselves perfectly. However, in my opinion, this is my opinion, there is nothing that will replace face-to-face, eye-to-eye talking to one another. Nothing. There, you don't, you, you know, when you written communication, tone cannot be inferred. It cannot be transmitted. Um, near, if if at all, nearly effectively as talking with someone. Now, if you talk with somebody over the phone, you can hear the tone in their voice. But when you're talking to someone face to face, not only can you hear the tone in their voice, you can see the mannerisms that match that so or that that go along with that because they don't always match so you know i started thinking and thinking and thinking so just recently um i ordered from a 
uh, I don't know if they're national. They're definitely a regional pizza chain. They have ads and commercials. And instead of having it delivered, I decided to pick it up. And this is a location that is out of my delivery range for one. So we don't get it often. Um, we had some people over and uh, we had a large order. So anyway, I decided to go pick it up. And this is a location that is not accustomed to a lot of pickups. In fact, it's just a small pizza shop. There's no, there's no shop actually. There's no seats. This is a delivery location and a pickup location if needed. I would dare say probably 95% of their business is delivery. But there's a very small, small lobby that if you can even call it that, it's more like a foyer or a foyer. And you go and pick up your pizza. Now, there's a young guy. If I had to speculate, he's anywhere between 18 and 20. If I had to guess, rather. Yeah. When I walked in the door, you can tell that they don't get many customers that come in to pick up their pizza. He was so nervous. And so, you know, he brought out all my pizzas and the wings and the cheesy breads and all that. And, uh, so I pay, first of all, I paid in cash. He didn't have much trouble making the change. He made the change, gave it to me. But this guy, hands were visibly shaking and not really in a small way. And he didn't have Parkinson's. He didn't, it wasn't a debilitating disease shake. This was clearly nervousness. So he didn't give me a receipt. And I said, hey, man, I have a receipt. He couldn't get the roll. He couldn't get the computer to print the receipt. And I finally just said, you know, just take a picture of your screen with, with my phone. I gave him my phone. And this guy was just shaking. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, compared, you know, it's it still in my mind was Naomi Osaka, the tennis player. And these two things happened relatively close together. And it made me think, I, I, I hear all this mental health talk. I hear, you know, I know it's, it's prominent. It's at the forefront, you know, the depression, the anxiety, the anger, the, all, all of these negative things that are so amplified and magnified that they debilitate people. You know, the little pizza guy was, I would dare say, almost traumatized by my presence, by interaction with another human being, a stranger, no less. Okay. And this famous young 23-year-old tennis player who was on top of her game, ranked amongst, I think, the top two or three in the world, highest paid female athlete is too anxious to speak to the press for a few minutes. So it made me think, what, what's, what's going on? Has it always been like this? Once again, we see things through our own lens. So for me, growing up in New York City, you see and meet people, strangers, all the time. Now, as a kid, of course, you're told don't talk to strangers. You don't. But 
you know, kids that lived in my building that I didn't know. Hey, you live in my building. Hey, what's your name? We, that's how friendships are started. That's how bonds are formed. You know? But now, our bestie, our best friend, our BFF, is our fucking phone. It's our phone. And I say our because it's all of us. And I am not excluded. You know, in a recent episode, I asked, when's the last time you used the bathroom to take a shit without your phone? Huh? These things are appendages now. They're not a phone. They're communicators. They are us. You know? Think about the anxiety you feel if you drop your phone. If you lose your phone, don't you panic? You panic. You freak the fuck out. I remember a story a year or two ago. Um, a black uh, father and son in a hotel lobby. And this woman had lost her phone. Actually, turned out she had left it in an Uber. Um, you know, in one of the ride sharing places. I'm not sure if it was Uber. But um, in a ride sharing vehicle. But she saw this young man and automatically accused him of stealing her phone. Unbelievable, right? Incredible. And 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 things got quite frantic and, and hectic and dramatic in in that instance uh, when that happened. So this lady was freaking out is my point of not having her phone. She freaked out. You know, in the episode, I think directly before this, my sister and I talked about how she freaked out when she lost her phone. So I started doing a little research and a couple of things that came to mind that I thought I should research. Um, I wanted to see if there's been an increase in suicide, which right is, which is the the, the ultimate tragic end to somebody that's suffering from some form or level of depression and and or anxiety, right? So I I sought that information out um, about suicide, and then also I I, I wanted to see um, when in terms of suicide, I wanted to see if there had been an increase. And suicides. And I also wanted to see if there had been an increase in anxiety and depression related prescriptions that have been prescribed to people. And the answer in both cases is yes and yes. Yes and yes. Okay. Now, before I go on to dive a little bit deeper into those statistics, which I, I, I had to stop myself because I went down a bit of a rabbit hole and I, I had to stop because that shit, frankly, it's depressing. It's depressing. You know, um, it's like, it's like, wow. I, 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 it's almost like you just, you don't want to know, you know, I don't want to know, 
because the shit is, is sad, really. Um, and once again, I need to be very clear. I'm not making light of anybody who's suffering from any illness of any kind, particularly um, in this instance, depression and anxiety. Um, all I could do is, is try to send you good vibes and hope that you get better. You know, I remember a scene from a movie called Moonstruck with uh, Cher, the actor or singer Cher, and I believe it was Nick Cage, Nicholas Cage, and she slapped him and told him snap out of it. I often wonder if that could be an effective form of treatment. And I say that only because I lived with and dated a woman who was suffered from significant mental illness, schizophrenia, that kind of thing. And I walked a part of her journey through trying to get well. And on the extreme end of that was something called ECT treatment. And it's modern day electric shock treatment. So slapping someone's face hard enough to get their attention is almost to me like a form of shock, right? Especially if it's unexpected. But um, growing up in New York City, you are also exposed to the mentally ill. There's a, you know, millions of people in a small concentrated area. So I, I, I have some experience, some in-depth experience when it comes to interacting with someone who is mentally ill or who suffers from anxiety and or depression. You know, but I always give definitions of um, of terms when I'm doing more serious uh, episodes. And I, I wanted to do that today um, because I felt that it's important to at least try to, 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 to dive into this, speculate, like I said, offer my opinion on the reasons why, and more importantly, share what I know can be helpful. And maybe somebody will hear this and I can, I can at least help one person. So anxiety. The definition of anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Another definition is desire to do something typically accompanied by unease. And the psychiatry definition is a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. That's the definition of anxiety. Um, 
And that is according to um, just a a search using the most popular search engine out there. Um, on dictionary.com, the definition of depression, um, they have several. And one is the noun, it's just a state of being depressed, the act of depressing. A depressed or sunken place or part, which is talking about something being physically depressed. But that's not worth, you know, like if you if you put your hand in a pillow, you depress part of the pillow. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, we're talking about the psychiatry definition. And that goes on to state a condition of general emotional dejection and withdrawal. Sadness greater and more prolonged than warranted by an objective reason. So that is the psychiatric definition of depression. So thinking in terms of these definitions, there are people that are immersed in these feelings, right? I I hesitate to use the word wallow, but um, they live in these places. I would just put it like that. You know, they live in these these places of depression. Now, I have heard from many that um, one possibility is a chemical imbalance in the brain. Right. And then people are subsequently diagnosed and prescribed these powerful mind altering medications. And it's really a lifelong commitment. Right. I can tell you this from my personal experience with the young lady that I dated. Of course, we're no longer dating. Um, but. I've watched her switch meds and have, I'll just say negative reactions. Um, so if there is some shortage in the supply chain, if somebody goofs on the formulation of the pill, you know, the formula that, that it takes to make the pill. If all pharmacies, electricities goes out for any long length of time, there are going to be a number of people who will be off meds. And then what? I am saying this to say that while medication can be effective for some, I am not what I reluctantly refer to as pill poppers. I, I just, I'm anti-drug. I'm anti-pharmaceutical. I'm anti-vaccine. I am about holistic, natural remedies and have been for a long time, you know, we make our own toothpaste. You know, we, I, I can go on a long list. You know, my wife is, is in with me in this journey. We are in this journey together and everybody gets sad. 
we have a range of emotions. You know, happy, sad, angry. You know, it goes on and on, right? We have a range of emotions. But if you get stuck in one, because just like this depression and anxiety, have you ever met somebody that's just too fucking happy all the time? I probably am one of those people. Because I'm usually happy the majority of the time. But I am not one of those people that lives in happiness. Because I do experience range of emotions. You know, and depending on what it is, any any variety of things can, can trigger or, you know, um, make a certain emotion come to the forefront. So... Again, I said, I'm not unsympathetic to any of these people. However, I would like to see us not, and when I say us, I mean here in the United States, not be so quick to prescribe pharmaceuticals. It's part of a much bigger system. In this country, as we all know, the medical system in our country, the United States, is a for-profit organization. Okay? They have shareholders. They have boards of directors. They're business. So, they thrive on sickness and illness. And that includes mental illness. So if you can diagnose and then prescribe something that this person, you know, these people are not, these people that suffer from these anxiety and depression, they're not, you know, prescribed medications with the goal of getting off of these medications. Nope. Here's this prescription. Keep coming to see me. That's not a solution. And I know I often digress, but that's just like jail. Prison. Prison is not a place of, of reform. You know? It, it's not. We lock people up and we, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't support them engaging in, in self-redemption. No. The, the, the statistics are clear. When it comes to prison. And I dare say the, the statistics are the same when it comes to the mental health aspect of this. Nobody is trying to say, meditate, do yoga, eat healthier, exercise, engage with healthy relationships. Rid yourself of any toxicity in any form, whether that be the media you induce, that phone that's in your hand all the time, if social media affects you negatively, and the people in your life, which some of them we cannot escape because they are family and they either live with us or they live near us or they're close to us. And just because you share the same blood with someone does not make you compatible 
right? I'm pretty sure we all got family members that we're like, I just don't like them. I don't like them. And it could be very close person. It could be a fourth cousin. You know, it just doesn't matter. So it could be anybody. I, I just wonder where we're headed as we continue to immerse ourselves and connect ourselves to these electronics, the digitization of the mind and the soul and the body and how it affects our mental, you know, our mental capacity. So I told you that I would tell you some things. I, like I said, I dug into some some statistics and I'll get to suicide in a minute but I'll start with something before we get to the suicide step and that's just prescriptions that are for depression and and anxiety Um, and like I said I, I wanted to see if it has gone up and I started looking for different, you know, statistical data on, on this. And like I said, the answer is yes. Um, there's one website, goodrx.com, which is where I went. And by the way, any product, website, service, anything I mentioned, nobody's paying me. Nobody's giving me kickbacks. This is just genuine. Um, results of my research. I am still not reading anybody's ad. Uh, while I'm on that, please support the show. Look in the show notes. You can, you can Venmo, PayPal. I do need your support to help the, the show to grow. If you're unable or unwilling to, to financially support, please like, share, comment, subscribe on all the places, the YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all, all the places. Take a moment, please, and do that. I'd really appreciate that. Prescriptions for depression and anxiety medications are on the rise among Americans. That is the first sentence from an article published on GoodRx from May 2019. It's on the rise. You know, um... And, and they give these percentage, they give a breakdown by state, which I thought was very interesting. And in the upper northern half of the country, there are more people on these meds, you know, and we're talking Valium, Xanax, Zoloft, Prozac, and those are their um, retail names, if you will. Okay, like uh, Valium is actually diazepam, Xanax is alazolam, uh, Cetraline is Zoloft, and Fluxetine is Prozac. So, um, but those are amongst the long, long list of these antipsychotic medications. These 
like I said, I've got some, I've got some experience with this. These medications fuck with your brain, with your head. Okay. And if there's any fluctuation, like I said, if, if that batch of pills wasn't made right, or if you can't get your meds for a week or two for whatever reason, it's fucking you up. So to me, this isn't, this isn't a solution. This isn't, this isn't the way to treat this. If something, somebody's suffering from some long-term sadness, if somebody can't speak publicly, even though that's part of their profession to the point where they're fined and, 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 and Miss Osaka, the tennis player I talked about earlier, she withdrew from the French Open. Because she says she didn't want to be a distraction. Um, wow, right? Wow. She withdrew from the tournament. 23 years old. So, you know, I'm, I'm just scrolling. I don't even want to give all these, these statistics, man. To be honest with you. Because, just frankly, this shit saddens me. Right. Like I said, I, I, I've, I've been close to this and I've seen this. And with these young people, the guy in the pizza shop and Miss Osaka, and there, there are many other celebrities that I could have looked up that have publicly said there have been, um, there have been some recent public, um, suicides. Well, not public suicides, but, but suicide of, of public people. Right. I know the military has a huge problem with uh, with suicide as well. You know. Everybody can't be safe. There's going to be accidents. You know, death is coming for all of us. We never know when. So. When you think about it. Is it the Earth's way of. Trying to keep its population down. You know, these, these, these anxious people that, you know, some of them then do, you know, commit suicide. And like I said, I'm, I'm scrolling right now looking. I don't want to give you all these statistics, to be honest with you. But I will just say suicide is also up. The numbers are up considerably. Um, so what do we do? Right. When I started this podcast and in in many episodes of this podcast, I have said my primary reason for starting this podcast was I want to contribute positively to the world. I would like to just try To make this world a better place. In this episode. I would like to. Acknowledge those that suffer. As I believe I have. That suffer from. Sadness. From depression. From anxiety. 
I see you. I, I, I acknowledge you. For whatever reasons that you have these feelings that, that don't leave you. Um, I acknowledge you. And I want to do more than just say, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with you. Um, it's, it's a meaningful phrase, but we've heard it so much, you know, which is one of the downsides of this worldwide connectivity. You know, we know everything that happens, right? Especially tragic because we're addicted to bad news. But I want to help. I'm not a doctor. I am not a shaman. What I am is a man who has lived over 50 years and I have been basically a happy person. And all I can tell you is I have been sad for a long period of time. Never went on any medication, but my grandmother who raised me and really kept me alive from the streets and perils of New York City in Harlem and the Bronx. When she died, I, it, it literally took me years to, to bounce back. And I can't say that I'm, I'm fully back because if you've ever loved somebody deeply and you lose them, first of all, there is nothing anybody can say or do that will ease that pain. There's only one thing that will ease that pain. And that is time. Time. At least that's what worked for me. It took time. In my own time. For some that time won't work. That is something deeper. The first thing I would ask you to do. I want to see if I'm not even going to ask you to do. This is just a suggestion. You can do it if you want to or not. But is to find the source of your depression, your sadness, or your anxiety. What is the real cause? Like when my, my grandmother passed, I there was I didn't have to search for the reason. I knew the reason. And as much death, murders, and, and hards as that I have witnessed on the streets, growing up on the streets in New York City, I you know, and I really thought I was prepared. Nothing could prepare me for that level of pain when my grandmother passed. But I knew the source of that pain. So if you haven't pinpointed it, if it's more than one thing, write it down. Writing can be very, very effective tool for processing your thoughts and emotions. But try to figure out what's causing it. Why do you feel this sadness? Why do you feel like you can't talk to the press? Why are you so, so anxious? Why are you, why are you depressed? What's the cause of it? Next, if you're on these medications, 
And I have successfully done this. I have. Taken a person that was close to me. Who was on meds. Off of meds. Now, of course, once again, I reiterate, I'm not a physician. Consult with your doctor before you do any of this. Okay. Hopefully you have a good one. That's a competent, capable, compassionate, empathetic physician, psychiatrist or psychologist or counselor or whoever is, 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 is treating you. I think those pharmaceuticals can be an effective solution, but for the short term. Once again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you my experience. I think a better solution is something holistic, something organic. Some people prayer. Some people, you know, use prayer. Some people delve deeply into praying, which can become a form of meditation, but meditation, if you can find a place that you can, you can take time, that you can be quiet. If you can find a quiet place to meditate, and I am not talking about a meditation app. In fact, don't even take your phone in the room where you're going to meditate. If you can, a room with no electronic devices would be great. No television, no computer, you know, desktop, laptop, no phone, no tablet, no beeper. If people still have beepers, um, you know, where you can just rest your mind. And there are books. There are ways you can train your brain to get out of your head. And what I mean by that is to stop yourself from thinking about shit. Thinking about anything. Hungry, whatever is ailing you, whatever is causing your anxiety and depression, anything. Just white noise, white room. You picture yourself in a room with nothing and or in a, in a field, whatever works for you. Right. The next thing is something I can't really stress enough because it really is the key to all forms of healthiness, mental, psychological, emotional, physical. And you've heard it a million times. Diet and exercise. Exercising regularly. And eating fruits, vegetables, water. You know, I, I, I just can't tell you how important that is. I cannot stress enough. And keep in mind that the system that we live in in the United States, like when's the last time you've seen a broccoli commercial? Hmm? When's the last time you've seen a, uh, car- uh, a commercial for a carrot? Hmm? Yeah, you don't. You know what you see commercials for? Fried foods, salty, cheesy, fattening, carb-loaded, sugary. Those are the commercials we see. 
right? Hmm? Think about it. Yeah. Yo, vegetable industry. If anybody in the vegetable industry hears this, do some marketing. Huh? Do do some marketing for some for some veggies. Let me see some some HD close up veggie commercials. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that a lot, actually. So the whole point of this episode was to lend, you know, to 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 to, to tell you about these two incidents with the pizza guy and Naomi Osaka and how they made me think about what's going on with anxiety and depression and his historically recent history had the numbers increased, which my research has led me to answer yes and yes to prescriptions have gone up, suicides have gone up and to offer some types of solutions, some suggestions, because I truly want to help. I'm, I'm a realist though. We, it's always going to exist, right? It has to, right? Doesn't it? Does it? Huh. Yeah. But I believe these electronic devices, they're stopping us from living our best lives. So, if anybody happens to listen to this I want you to know that I care, okay? And I want to take a minute in case anybody is really in a dark, dark place and give you the phone number to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is 1-800-273-8255. Again, There are people you can talk to. If you don't want to talk to these people, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. You can talk to me. Reach out. My email address is mikesopinionshow at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. mikesopinionshow at gmail.com. I'll give that phone number one more time to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 800-273-8255. I don't think we have to put one anymore unless you're out of the country. So you can just dial 800-273-8255. Again, that's 800-273-8255. If you're suffering, try some of the things that I recommended. Yoga meditation, exercising, eating right, talk to someone, write, write your feelings down, get a notebook, a journal, and, and just write how you feeling. You know, you don't have to even think about it. Just start. I'm feeling like, and you know, I feel like today sucks because, or what, you know, however you want to write. If you don't want to write, you know, you can record yourself. Um, 
And of course, that involves an electronic device. But, you know, you can record yourself and then listen back to yourself. You know, like I said, I'm definitely here to help. I'm, I'm trying to just to, to offer some to some type of help. But I hope you're OK. Like I said, in all of my episodes at the beginning of my episodes, I hope that you're doing OK out there. If you know somebody that you think might be suffering, find out how to help them. Ask them if they want to talk. Is there anything you want to talk about? Let them know I'm here for you if you need me for anything if you need to talk. You know, let's try to help each other. You know, the the world needs it. There's an old song that says, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing there's much too little of. Let's spread love, y'all. Let's spread love. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I definitely appreciate you. Like I said, reach out. Mike's Opinion Show at gmail.com. I would definitely love to hear from you. I'm Mike, and this has been the Mike's Opinion Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. For listening to Mike's opinion, Logic Unleashed. <laughs>